cannot achieve victory by arms, but by arms we can give the ring-bearer his only chance, frail though it be. As Aragorn has begun, so we must go on. We must push Sauron to his last throw. We must call out his hidden strength, so that he shall empty his land. We must march out to meet him at once. We must make ourselves the bait, though his jaws should close on us. He will take that bait in hope and in greed, for he will think that in such rashness he sees the pride of the new ringlord, and he will say, So, he pushes out his neck too soon and too far. Let him come on, and behold, I will have him in a trap from which he cannot escape. There I will crush him, and what he has taken in his insolence shall be mine again forever. We must walk open-eyed into that trap with courage, but small hope for ourselves. For, my lords, it may well prove that we ourselves shall perish utterly in a black battle far from living lands, so that even if Baradur be thrown down, we shall not live to see a new age. But this, I deem, is our duty, and better so than to perish nonetheless, as we surely shall if we sit here, and know as we die that no new age shall be. They were silent for a while. At length Aragorn spoke. As I have begun, so I will go on. We come now to the very brink, where hope and despair are akin. To waver is to fall. Let none now reject the counsels of Gandalf, whose long labors against Sauron come at last to their test. But for him, all would long ago have been lost. Nonetheless, I do not yet claim to command any man. Let others choose as they will. The Way Lesser Inklings podcast attempts to pay homage to the great writers, thinkers, and philosophers of the 20th century known as the Inklings, and to try to inspire a love for reading literature and finding the good, the true, and the beautiful in the written word. Welcome back to the Way Lesser Inklings podcast. My name is Josh Rice. I'm one of your co-hosts, and here again is my brother Jake. Say hey. Hey. So we're, we're back together again. We're going to talk about the chapter that's called The Last Debate. Um, at first, I thought this one might be a 30-minute episode, and then I realized that I was horribly wrong as I read back. I, in fact, Jake, I think this is the first chapter that I've read multiple times, probably since book one, I think. Well, yeah, yeah, I think book one. This one I ended up reading two and a half times because I was trying to figure out what's this thing about, and it didn't it didn't jump out the first time. But um, before we get into all that, I'm going to kick it to you as is customary to tell us like what it's literally all about. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in this chapter, we we basically have two scenes. Um, so there's a scene in which Legolas and Gimli enter the city, uh, seeking to um, to rekindle friendship with Merry and Pippin. And so in that, there's there's a brief scene with Imrahil, uh, but most of the scene is is the four those four companions talking, and and a large chunk of that is mostly Legolas and some of Gimli sort of filling us in on the story of the paths of the dead and the ensuing uh, march um, back toward Minas Tirith and, and kind of what happens there. And so um, I'll kind of brush the highlights there. Basically, you know, the army of the dead follows. Um, they're very clearly at the command of Aragorn as they at points try to push ahead and Aragorn stays them until until they get to uh, the destination that they, you know, I can't remember the city if it's uh, Lambden or something yeah, like that. So. Uh, um, basically, where the the ships are um, are harbored, uh, the ships corsairs of Umbar, uh, and then also the armies of Harad are there uh, assembling to bring a greater assault um, up from the south, uh, and that's where Aragorn um, unleashes the army of the dead, and they essentially. Uh, slaughter with fear the entire um battalion of of men of mordor and so um there's some other things i think to touch on but that's kind of the gist of of what we get uh and then it transitions to the council of the captains so we have amir and Imrahil and gandalf and aragorn um kind of discussing where they're at uh on in the battle and and what's to be done and so they in in that they assess their enemy, they assess what they know. Um, some of which is from Denethor, and it's it is it's it's really it's a real a shame that Denethor is not in this council. Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of feel the uh, the grief, mm-hmm. the loss there. Um, but uh, but he's not in. But his knowledge does come as a um, as a value to the captains. Uh, so in their discussion, they do they make 
decision that they're going to assault the Black Gate, um, which seems like folly. <laughs> <laughs> but there may be more than meets the eye. And so from there, I will turn it over to you since you're the one that unlocked the, uh, I think, unlocked what's going on yeah, here. Yeah, nice. Um, so I'll do the nerd alert. Not because I knew it. I did look ahead. Uh, the the port city is Lynn here, but mm. he uh, he held the forces of the dead back at Lamedon, and it was the men of Lamedon that were in battle at Lynn here. So easy to get all the L words confused. Yeah, um, yeah so I think I think there's... There's really two big themes going on. One of them is the one that's very obvious. I did not have to read it again to figure this out. And and that's the theme that the Aragorn is, if he wins, is going to be the king of the world. Right? That Because mm-hmm. he commands the dead. He commands the living. That these great men, there, there's, you know, Imrahil in particular is played up as being this high noble man who just readily says, I follow you as my liege. Right, liege lord, mm-hmm. and so Aragorn is obviously going to command a huge coalition of the people of Middle Earth if he wins the last battle. And I think I think that's a that's the on the nose theme. But I think the lesser one is that, cause, and and it's funny, he's he really is a genius. I know I gush about him a lot. When you when you look at the story, like Tolkien has woven these two themes together. We've been talking about kings and comparing them. And then we've been talking about how appearances are deceiving. And I didn't mm-hmm. see that one until it smacked me in the head the second time through that basically what's going to happen is Gandalf, the one who never judged people by appearances, right? He always saw the value of the hobbits. He always, mm-hmm. you know, dressed down anyone who was acting foolishly and spoke the truth. Gandalf is going to make a calculation that Sauron is going to judge by appearances and he's going to reach out and try to take the bait in a trap and empty his lands so that the ring bearer would have what what would have been an almost impossible journey turns into a possible journey because of Sauron emptying his lands of all of his armies and all of his spies. And Gandalf is going to bet everything that Sauron is going to judge on appearances and that he's going to judge wrongly based on appearances. And I, I just got to say, like I, I think that's incredible that he builds up to this point in, in storytelling. I think the second to last chapter is almost always where all the, the stuff happens. This one doesn't quite do that. Cause it leads us right up to this brink. Right. And, and mm-hmm. he actually uses the last chapter of book five to, to spill it over and to, and to bring all the, all the threads together from basically the non Frodo story. But I think, I think mm-hmm. that's what's going on. And I think it even starts with, with uh, Legolas and Gimli going through Minas Tirith. And I, I highlighted it on my third read-through of this section because then I was looking for it. It says, Together the elf and the dwarf entered Minas Tirith, and folk that saw them pass marveled to see such companions. For Legolas was fair of face beyond the measure of men. And he sang in an elven song in a clear voice as he walked in the morning. But Gimli stalked beside him, stroking his beard and staring about him. So right away, I, I think that's the that's the third paragraph of the first page, is there's this hint that the men of Minas Tirith are looking and amazed at the appearances of these two best friends who are really almost like brothers at this point, who are walking around and they mm-hmm. seem so different, and yet they have a deep love that's that's probably that you know, you got Legolas and Gimli, you got the Aragorn Gandalf thing, and you got Frodo and Sam that really are these these strong friendships where they trust each other so much. And I think it starts that way. And Tolkien is starting to, to hint to us right away. Like, Hey, remember appearances are deceiving. The men of Minas Tirith hadn't mm-hmm. seen this, but if the King comes in, the King who doesn't get fooled by appearances, this King is going to bring all of the people together under his greatness. Mm-hmm. And so I think it starts right there. And then they start walking mm-hmm. around musing and I'll kind of leave that to you. I do. I do imagine <laughs> Legolas singing kind of like, I don't know. He, he probably has a very true voice, like the uh, like the the <laughs> lieutenant, a master and commander, <laughs> Mr. Hollum. Yeah, oh yeah, it wasn't the lieutenant, Mr. Hollum. Yeah, but he uh, he's probably singing around. And I look at Gimli, just kind of like critically looking from side to side at all the shoddy stonework going on, <laughs> and, and stroking his beard, he looking said, around. <laughs> he he says there is some good stonework <laughs> <That's> here. <right. laughs> 
<laughs> nothing, nothing like the glittering caves, though, under Helm's no. Deep. <laughs> no. No. Man, man cannot accomplish the, uh, the majesty of what nature can produce. That's right. <laughs> um, now, I think, um, yeah, this it's kind of kind of a fun little spot i think that tolkien uses this little moment to highlight i think the perspective of elves and Mm -hmm. (laughs) non-elves yep um so as they're they're walking through the city and sort of there's you know we, we we've we've discussed it actually like that you know gondor is the lesser you know it it used to be um minus anor and uh or and so it, you know, it's a, it's lesser than than it was, um, but as these two muse about, you know, what could be, it, it's interesting because Gimli says, when Aragorn comes into his own, I'll offer him the services of the dwarves <laughs> to to upgrade the stonework, basically. <laughs> and uh, and and you know, Legolas's re- retort is, if Aragorn comes into his own, then the people of the wood will bring in birds that sing in trees that do not die. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, I think it's, again, it's, it's attention to details here of like the long lament of, of the elves Mm -hmm. of, you know, there's, there's is a, a sad lot and that, and that's the cost of, of immortality of like seeing lots and lots of things means lots and lots of grief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's interesting that Legloss almost might get. Might be a little blinded because the the roles reverse. I think later in the chapter because Legolas says that the that the line of Aragorn would never fail because he's from Luthien, and Gimli says, mm-hmm. "I don't have the sight that you have to to make a prediction like that." Essentially, mm-hmm. but I think El, you know Legolas is seeing this this mighty line of heroes and nobility that's been so virtuous with. You know, if you don't know the story of Baron and Luthien, then go read the Silmarillion or or read the mm-hmm. read the Baron and Luthien book that was published. It's really great. But I, I think I think there is that idea that that he he is looking in this millennia type way, right? Where where Legolas is maybe more confident about the strength of these millennia histories and ancestries. Gimli is more confident in Aragorn himself, like the kind of temporal he's here right now mm-hmm. where Legolas is, is more like, yeah, the world's going to keep going on. It's, it's, and, mm-hmm. and I think it does show that difference in perspective. And it, and I think mm-hmm. they tie it right back in because up walks Imrahil and they're trying to find Mary mm-hmm. and Pippin and, um, Legolas just kind of Legolas looks at him and bows low. And he says, it is mm-hmm. long since the people of Nimrodel left the wood, woodlands of Lorien, and yet still one may see that not all sailed from Amroth's haven west over water, meaning that Imrahil obviously, to Legolas's eyes, descended with mingled blood out of Lorien. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's an amazing thing. And he, he comments on that, and he says that, um, that that is a fair lord and a great captain of men, Legolas says. If Gondor has such men still in these days of fading, great must have been its glory in the days of its rising. And then, of course, mm-hmm. Gimli dampens it a little bit. He says, doubtless the good stone work is older and was rot in the first building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then and then he has his slight on men. And I think this is uh, I think this is a, a little bit of a, a commentary and a cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. He's, so in, in regards to the old stonework, um, he says, it is ever so with the things that men begin. There's a frost in spring or a blight in summer, and they fail of their promise. You know, and I think we've talked about that way early on as we were, you know, we spent more time in book one um, and book two on the races. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, those those are the places, particularly book two, where we're being acquainted with the company, the fellowship, and like the differences, mm-hmm. you know. And so, and we talked a lot about like there's a, there's a bright burning, but there's also a limited time. Mm-hmm where the generational work is hard because a single man can't do, you know, Gondor could not, you know, minus Tirith could not have been built by one man's lifetime. Yeah. So it requires that discipleship. It required passing on mm -hmm. from father to son, which is where if you go in the real world, like the biblical sense, this has always been the problem with man. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think Tolkien comments on is that, that we, we lose it. Like we start, 
in a promising way, like cross the Red Sea, you know, or enter, enter the promised land and then wander around doubting and then mm-hmm. let iniquity mm-hmm. visit us to the third and fourth and fifth generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or we'll have, you know, we'll have one generation that rises up strong and does something magnificent beyond, you know, beyond reckoning. And then, and it doesn't take long for that capital to burn away, mm-hmm. you know, and I think kind of both things are in play yeah. there. And it's weird, and it, it kind of scares me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I want to make it my thought to Rome with, but Legolas says, seldom <laughs> they, do they fall, fail of their seed, and that mm-hmm. will lie in the dust and rot to spring up again in times and places unlooked for. The deeds of men will outlast us, Gimli, and yet come to naught in the end, but might have been, I guess, said the dwarf. To that the elves know not the answer. So the strength of men is in their <laughs> just relentless child-rearing, and I, and I think mm-hmm. it's it's a commentary because we've noted in the chapter minus Tirith, I believe, that there was a lot of yeah. empty houses, you know, and and that I think Gondor had fallen so far that even that hope, even that thing that kept it going, was was mm-hmm. falling and failing. Yeah. And but but Legolas here, I think, gives he hatches some kind of a prophecy, right, where he's mm-hmm. he's saying that even the seed that lays in the dust to rot springs up unlooked for and and that's exactly mm-hmm. what's about to happen right is that the mm-hmm. the seed who's been in the dust rotting essentially rotting away in the north as a mm-hmm. as a wanderer called strider is going to come up unlooked for and he's going to start this new yep. golden age where all the houses are going to be full again and I think right. it's really interesting. He 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 look, he accomplished that in one paragraph. I know that's what he's doing. And <laughs> right. I did not yep. know that the first time through. You know, I highlight yeah. it cuz I thought that's interesting language there and there's something about you know the strength of child rearing and that sort of thing. But I think he was right. connecting those dots. Yeah. So, you yeah, do you want to Yeah. Where do you um, want to go? Yeah. I think um I think probably to touch uh, just a little bit on, um, the story I, I had, you know, I think in the, maybe we talked a little bit about the will. I think let's talk about the assault, um, that comes from the paths of the mm. dead, uh, and kind of what's going on there. You know, I think there's some interesting lines that I want to talk about, you know, with that. Okay. I think, you know, so, so there's, you know, I think I'll, I'll start with this. Um, so, you know, Gimli says he won't tell willingly. So Pippin's asking questions about the in- paths of the insatiably. dead. Pippin- <laughs> insatiably. The hobbits are Pip- back with that. Yeah, in, in, yes, yes. Um, he says, for upon that road, I was put to shame. Gim- and so there's a couple things here I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about. For on that road, I was put to shame. Gimli, glowing son, who had deemed himself more tough than men and hardier under earth than any elf. But neither did I prove and I was held to the road only by the will of Aragorn. Mm. And so um, I want to say something, and then I'll kick it to you. I think the first thing is I love there's this thing that happens with the good guys of this humility where Gimli, you know, admits his shame and says, in pride, I thought myself better than men, mm. you know, and hardier than an elf. And he can And he can admit that here, and he can do that because he's with friends, I think. Right, that's the power and the comfort of friends, the trust of friends, to not, right, to not mock his shame here, mm. right. Um, I think the and then the second part is um, that to his view, he was held to the road only by the will of Aragorn, right, to press on, um, and Legolas retorts that with and by the love of him also, mm-hmm. and so I was, I think from there I was gonna <laughs> kick it I, back. I think it's a play, like I, I think man this is what happens on the podcast right it's it, it, it occurs to me that there was a lot of that going on in the last chapter that Aragorn was in this spiritual realm right that that he mm-hmm. was able to to call and interact in people's conscience and mm-hmm. Legolas does not refute that this is going on but what he does is he says there's two things going on is that Aragorn mm-hmm. was holding them by his will which is really mm-hmm. like sovereign hand Christ-like stuff, right? That which mm-hmm. we saw that in the last chapter, a lot of Christ-like things going on. But also on this other hand, that he is such a mighty man and so noble 
and so virtuous that everyone who comes to see him loves him. And Gimli has been around him for a long time and has seen him in a Mm -hmm. lot of situations and has fought beside him at Helm's Deep and at other places. And so the love that he has for Aragorn is extremely strong. And so Legolas is basically saying, don't discount that. He is holding you by his Mm -hmm. will, but you also love him too. And so even your fear, the tremendous fear, and and you were not able to do, in, in some ways it would be like, you know, he had no strength to go, but mm-hmm. but Aragorn gave him strength to go, and I mean, if that that's the Christian walk, we have we have no strength to go on the journey. Um, mm-hmm. We I just read it this week in Psalm twenty three at, at communion, like as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the reason we fear no evil is is not because we're awesome or hardy; it's because. God is there, mm-hmm. and his rod and staff comfort us. And I, I think that's mm-hmm. what's going on, is the Aragorn is holding him to the path with the rod and the staff, but also Gimli is following in that path, and, and almost, you know, that he could have sang a psalm about it if he, you know, once he gets to the other side, I think. There's mm-hmm. a lot there. That's that's a really yeah. cool find there. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, the, I think the other in this section, I didn't have a ton mm-hmm. here, but I think I think the other one is is kind of fascinating. So um, we've moved on. Legolas is telling more about the um, you know Aragorn's command of the shadow host, you know, um, and his power over them uh, to to win the battle and and prepare for the next round. Um, but he, he st- it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating because in the midst of that, there's this paragraph that really just jumped off the page to me. <clears throat> and he, he says, um, he says, Strange indeed, said Legolas, in that hour I looked on Aragorn and thought how great and terrible a lord he might have become in the strength of his will had he taken the ring to himself. Not for naught does Mordor fear him, but nobler is his spirit than the understanding of Sauron. For is he not of the children of Luthien? Never shall that line fail, though the years may lengthen beyond count. Mm. And it, I, I found it fascinating because I, I think I think this is a part in kind of the pre-gaming discussion with you that it's a little breadcrumb because I highlighted it really because of its strangeness in the in the narrative mm-hmm. of right here we're talking about we're we're talking about this like this battle, um, Aragorn commanding the army of the dead to assault the enemy to take the ships and and really like we haven't from this side of the story like these guys the ring has really not been in the discussion or at least the possession of the Mm -hmm. ring the the mission has always been to try and hinder and hurt sauron's objectives Mm -hmm. and to give frodo a path however it's it's it was really striking to like for Legolas to imagine Aragorn taking the ring in this moment. And I think I think it kind of it suggests his lordliness, but also I think right, it suggests his power, which I think is gonna come into play in the next in the next mm-hmm. part. Yeah, I think it I think it also shows once again that theme of appearances because Tolkien is playing with something that that you would think in, in basically all literature, if you command an army of the dead, you're a bad guy. That that necromancy mm-hmm. is a bad thing. Like that's a that's a dark art. In fact, Sauron is called the necromancer in The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And but instead, there's this there's this huge theme that's gone through, really, especially Book Five. That Theoden, as he's remembered, like in his in his um, eulogy, he's remembered as the oath keeper. Right, that he kept all his oaths, and so Aragorn, mm-hmm. the the one who holds the army of the dead to their oaths, they become an honorable army of dead because he allows them a way to escape their past sin and to rest at peace. And so, even he can through his lineage, he can command even the shades of men. Like Legolas sees that, and he's marveling at it, and he's like, "Man, if he could, if he can command the shades of men based on an old oath." What could he do if he had taken the power of the ring that was the power of the necromancer and he could just raise up all the corpses in mm-hmm. in the you know the at the at the grounds before the black gate and just storm Mordor with them? 
and mm-hmm. and I think, but but he says something telling. He says Sauron wouldn't even understand that. Like he's Aragorn. Mm-hmm. Aragorn is of a type that that's beyond Sauron's comprehension. Sauron only understands power to be used one way, and that's in the way that benefits self. Whereas mm-hmm. Aragorn has a power that's used to benefit those who have a claim on him, which is which is mm-hmm. all of the people and. He doesn't do anything for himself. He does everything to deliver the king and to protect and to to guide and to serve. And it's a it's a beautiful yep. picture. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think for this part, I don't really have. Um, what did you have? Uh, what did you have with the uh, Legolas pining for the the sea? <laughs> oh, that was kind of an enigma have... to me. I did. I did. I did mark that too. Um, I think, I, you know, I didn't cross check cause he, re- he, I don't remember the words of Galadriel to him. Um, I think though, I think it's sort of all I could kind of get at is that it's, it's, I think it's kind of a, it's almost like the, um, like an albatross sighting. It's sort of a, it's, I think it's like a beacon of, of the end hmm. that he's, he's come to the end of his time. You know, right. Um, and I know it's like, but he, you know, and he's being told to wait, you know, Gimli. And I think in that, right. Gimli says, not yet. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of, it kind of, there's a, that's weird. I think this is the second time we've mentioned gladiator recently, but it's like, it's that the line from, uh, Juba, oh, Juba it, you know, he says, you know, he says, I'm going to go to them. Right. Maximus talking about dying. And he says, not yet. Mm-hmm. Because he still has things to do. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a huge theme. It gets repeated over and over. I think that's probably true, mm-hmm. is that Legolas sees it as his his ultimate destiny. He, that, mm-hmm. you know, to live is a good thing, but to go across the sea is his ultimate destiny, destiny and that's something that mm-hmm. would make him the fullest joy, but it's got to be done the right way. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, he's going to end up not having to make the heartbreaking choice about Gimli, because Gimli mm-hmm. is the, the one dwarf who ever crosses mm-hmm. over the sea with Legolas, such as the right. is the brotherhood that their their friendship brings and the greatness of Gimli yep. who truly is another Durin reborn because right. because Legolas yeah. makes fun of him yeah. in this and, and gives a hint to that I think doesn't he he's he did he did yeah he says up with your beard Durin son when when yeah. Gimli was getting glum he says for thus it is spoken oft hope is born when all is forlorn in a and mm-hmm. a wind drives them up the river in time to get to Minas Tirith, which which mm-hmm. the Wozes, gone very gone, had sniffed out the changing of the wind, which kind of gives you this weird spiritual thing that's just yeah. like Legolas, right? That yep. he can almost feel it coming. He's so so in tune with with the world. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Didn't think we'd be yeah. dropping a gone very gone reference in again. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny because I I did think of that earlier, but I didn't. You know, I kind of forgot about it when we came back around today. It was something that popped in my mind earlier, and I didn't write it down. So we make the turn now, yeah. and so I'll do a little of the narrative to get us caught up. So what had happened is Aragorn was holding a meeting with all the captains down in a tent outside the gates because he had he had told them he didn't want to enter the city again. Um, he's not making mm-hmm. his claim right now. And so notably, he brings the sons of Elrond, he brings um, Imrahil, and Aemir, mm-hmm. and um, am I missing anybody? Gandalf is there. Gandalf. Yeah, and that's that's mm-hmm. who speaks. Um, mm-hmm. And and what they're going to decide to do is basically like we've won this battle. We've had a lot of losses, right? The gate's been destroyed. You know, what do we do now? We've lost lots of people. It's it truly is the last debate because we are nearing the end of the story. Um, and I'll I'll start it this way. Gandalf Gandalf starts it by you had mentioned it earlier, being the voice of Denethor. And this this mm-hmm. is how the meeting starts. He says, My lords, listen to the words of the steward of Gondor before he died. You may triumph on the fields of the Pelennor for a day, but against the power that has now arisen, there is no victory. I do not bid you despair as he did, but to ponder the truth in these words. He goes on to say that mm-hmm. the, the Palantir, the seeing stones, don't lie. And so when Denethor saw just teeming hordes of armies filling Mordor, that that mm-hmm. was true. That 
that Sauron was certainly showing him what Sauron desired to show him, but at the same time that mm-hmm. this this great battle was only like a first assault. <laughs> and so it truly was a battle and the and the war is nowhere near over and they still face long, long odds. And mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I, I'll tell you this. I, we hadn't done it in a little while, so I'm going to throw a little shade at the movie again. And it, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one. It's not, this is not a vitriol piece of shade thrown. I think, I think you almost fought, like, so Peter Jackson in The Return of the King, he talked about how he wished that they had, in the story, that, that got, they had lost the Battle of the Pelennor Field, right? And that they had to regroup, because he said it's hard to keep the tension. And I'll tell you why. It's, it's hard to keep the tension because of how big and bombastic it had to get. Where mm-hmm. really what it showed in the movie it was it led you to imply that all of Mordor was emptied, right? Because mm-hmm. there were so many of them. But what it really should have showed is like that was like a tenth of them in Mordor. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. then the tension increases. Like a tenth of Mordor just brought all these people together and crushed your gates. You don't have a gate now. I mean, you got the Witch King. Right. That was a big deal. But here comes more, yeah. Right, and and I, right. I always thought that you're kind of a victim of your own excess. I think yeah. with a scene like that, well, I think, yeah, and I think too they played up. They didn't play the scene necessarily as despairingly in victory as they as they could have. In that, like they they weirdly bring, and I think for time they didn't want to use the paths of the dead, like the army of the dead, the way that the book does. Right. Um. But at the same time, it's like in the movie, they just wash over the battlefield and it's over. Right. And it's like it was it was it was a more it was more hard earned than that. Mm -hmm. And so there's also this element of like their losses are great. And so there's a there's a significant, you know, there's a significant cost already. And it's not even it's barely a fraction of what the enemy has to offer. Um, and I get that it is like, it is the, cause, cause the black gate scene is not the battle scene. Right. And so I get right. The, the bombast of the battle and the joy of the victory. Like there's, there's a power in it, but it's, you know, but you're, I do agree with you. It's, it's a scene that it's, it's hard to come back from. It all feels inevitable after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the book, and it, it doesn't like Gandalf just basically tells mm-hmm. him like, we're, we're basically all dead. Like and, and not mm-hmm. some distant future. He's like, if Frodo's not given passage, we're dead. Like we we mm-hmm. cannot fight. So the only thing we can do is use strategy, right? To mm-hmm. to use tactics mm-hmm. of war and to mislead mm-hmm. and to you know and to bait. Um, yeah, and that's where he's going to go. Yeah. So I I'll uh, I think that that's that's what we got right because they start debating. Mm-hmm this word um because it, it immediately yeah. gets suggested like should we just hole up right find mm-hmm. the strongest fortress we can go to um minus tirith dal amroth dunharrow sit there you know while the tide is flowing that's what Imrahil says um mm-hmm. Gandalf says that's all we've ever done yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah he does admit that that's the prudent choice mm-hmm. yeah but he and he, but he also does say that's all that's all that's ever been done, and I think this is the part where we start to you know we start to unlock what you like what you've seen is that you know and the theme that we've seen throughout this book is that the appearances can be deceiving mm-hmm. because the appearance of prudence would be to go and marshal up in a stronghold, mm-hmm. you know because. Because the enemy would say, like, the goal is to protect yourself, right? right? To hold your power, yep. you know, um, and, to, and to, to, you know, from the good guy's side is to give the notion of the ring in their possession mm. to, to, to suggest that, like, because to Sauron, the only thing you'd possibly do with the ring is a full-on frontal right. assault. And, and Gandalf has been constantly bringing us back to the ring on the other side of the story mm-hmm. on the non-Frodo side, mm-hmm. because he's always saying like, you know, he, he's asking Faramir what, what was, what was going on with Frodo? Like he's very concerned about that. And he again brings it around to saying we can't win by arms, but mm-hmm. 
there's this thing, and all of our hopes is on destroying the foundation of the power of Sauron. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so he he paints the stakes, and he paints them very high, and he says that if Sauron regains the ring, then all of the valor is vain, and his victory will be swift and complete, so complete that none can foresee the end of it while the world lasts. But if it's destroyed, he will fall, and his fall will be so low that none can foresee his arising ever again. Um, and he says a great evil of the world will be removed. And then he says this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll let you read it. It's it's we both <laughs> highlighted it, but I know I know it's the one you yeah. like, and we'll chop on it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Um. So th- yeah. So he says other evils there are that may come. For Sauron is himself but a servant or an emissary. Yet it is not our part to master all the tides of the world, but to do what is in us for the succor of those years when we are set, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know, so that those who live after may have clean earth to till. What weather they shall have is not ours to rule. Yeah, and I think <laughs> it's it's a pretty striking paragraph because I think it, you know, what it's what this line is doing is communicating a way to think about the world mm-hmm. is that, and, and it's, you know, the movie does like, it replays that line of, you know, when Frodo says it's a pity that Bilbo didn't slay Gollum when he had the chance, you know, and Gandalf says pity it was pity that stayed his hand. And he says, um, you know, he says, all we can do is what we're given to right? All we have to do is do the best with the time that we're given to do. Mm. I butchered that line. <laughs> but that's the idea, you know, that's the idea here is that, look, we can't we can't see what's going to happen in two generations mm-hmm. or five generations or, you know, or even one generation potentially. But what we have to do is to root out the evil that's in the field that we're sowing right now. Mm-hmm. We have we have to do that because then there's there's no like if we don't do that there's no food in the field for the next generation. Yeah, and I think I think to put that with a sharpened point, like we can see that you know the world that, that we're living in now in the West, where you know all of the all the Western nations have under a two birth rate, right? There's mm-hmm. all of the Western nations have fallen into decadence and decay where. <laughs> Our families are shrinking. Our families are busted up by divorce. Um, our our churches are not in, not an impact on the culture because they're mm-hmm. too busy. We're too busy in the church, staring at our own navels and not, you know, being afraid to do cultural stuff. And our governments have followed suit and have just gone completely into judgment, calling what's good evil and what's evil good. And and w- mm-hmm. we look at that, and it's easy to take the so called black pill. And be like, well, I mean, we're all dead. <laughs> There's what? What is the point of even trying to fight? And Gandalf is utterly repudiating that kind of idea here because what he is saying is, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how bad you think your time is or how insurmountable the odds are to you. You have to deal with what's at your front door, right? You mm-hmm. you must do that. So yeah. have more than two kids, right? Or like, if you can, Mm -hmm. you know, don't, don't Mm -hmm. selfishly cut yourself off and say, you know, I want to go on vacation now and, you know, and store up a bunch of money, which like, let's be real. That's, that's what's happened to the birth rate is people want to Mm -hmm. go on trips and buy fancy cars and eat at fine restaurants and not have a legacy. And we've fallen into decay. And we like to vote for people who promote giving us handouts to make the easy life continue. And our churches like to go Mm -hmm. along with it because we like being left alone to kind of build our little moose clubs, as Matt would say, and let us sit there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think the the really cynical view, like at, at the church level there, is like the church is looking for the handout from their you know, from their occupants the same way like the citizenry is looking for the handout from the government. It's like, you don't want to speak, you know, you don't want to chide a couple who's been married for, again, I'm not saying like there aren't situations where there's barrenness and whatnot. Right. Like that's not what I'm talking about, but we're... But, that's that's like, never what anybody's talking about. That's, that's never... <laughs> like I know, that's the but, equivocation but, game, right? That's, that's, that is the equivocation. It's like, that's... 
the the bulk majority the numbers prove it out like it's the people who who are married for a long time who have no children who are you know living on the excesses of the wealth that the west has created for them mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um and and you know and not creating a legacy and like that's what we're talking so the the minister is not going to chide those people because because they're active givers and they have a lot of money and you know they're keeping the thing afloat um to to the detriment of you know of those congregants and to the culture in which they live right. yeah i mean what's going on is we're basically in evangelicalism we're selling indulgences again like it's just mm-hmm. you can come in and get a little moralism and feel good about you've done your spiritual thing by coming to church and you give us in the ministerial class the money and mm-hmm. you've essentially set up what luther started the reformation over you know which is right. that same thing because and, it creates complete rot and corruption yeah and i think you know we're there again it seems like every four or five six hundred years this happens in the church <laughs> It's true. It's true. And then, and then it's like you wake up and you're like, Frodo is like, I wish it hadn't happened to me. You know, I wish it hadn't. Right. <laughs> right. And, yeah. But at the same time, like ours is not, you know, the goal, the goal is not there to, there it is. The goal is not to be Luther. Like the goal is right. to do your job, right? To act righteously, yeah. to, to not be cowed into all. And I think that's what's interesting about the last debate, bringing it back to Tolkien. What's, what's interesting about mm-hmm. it is I don't, there's there's no question here about doing a path of action because they're afraid. Like none of the parties are talking about fear whatsoever. What they're talking about is what will work. And I think that's really refreshing because we've been we these guys are all paying off now. Aemer, Imrahil, Gandalf, Aragorn, they're all you know, the sons of Elrond, they're all paying off to be this thing where it's like they're only interested in what's doing doing something that's going to secure a better life for future generations at all the cost mm-hmm. to themselves. And mm-hmm. that's all they care about. There's no like, well, we're going to get smoked if we march out, so maybe we shouldn't do that. In fact, they kind of grouse at the idea of prudence, right? Like, well, maybe we should just sit here mm-hmm. while the tide comes up all around us. And Gandalf, that's when, mm-hmm. when Gandalf says, like, that's not what I'm advocating, Right. It, it mm-hmm. would be prudence, but it, it's also not understanding the enemy because Aemer asked him, he says, all is in vain if he has the ring. Why should he think it not vain to assail us if we have it? Because Gandalf is banking mm-hmm. on Sauron thinking that Aragorn has the ring. Gandalf yep. says he is not yet sure, and he has not built upon up his power by waiting until his enemies are secure as we have done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think that is... a. Uh, that's a pretty scathing mm-hmm. commentary about how the bad guys always believe in their cause more than the good guys. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're willing to take the ostracism and the, and the violence for their cause. Yeah. 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 Well, conservatives Until, are trying you know, to conserve something while the other side is right. trying to just take it, you know, pillage yeah. it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Until it gets to the point where there's nothing left to do. Mm-hmm but to fight. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes, and it makes the, you know, it makes the fight that much more grievous. Hmm. <laughs> and we talked about that even in the early, you know, stuff of how, you know, the eyes of, um, minus Ithil were not turned hither and thither. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like they, you know, they grew, they grew fat and happy in the tower. Mm-hmm. And the bad guys came and, back in. They, they went yeah. underneath their noses. Yeah, so yeah. there there is a thing. I, I think it's just the nature of it is that the good guys aren't revolutionaries, right? Like the good guys are not mm-hmm. trying to conquer and take over. Mm-hmm. The good guys are trying to grow in wisdom and preserve. And it's just the nature mm-hmm. that the aggressor usually takes ground. And, mm-hmm. and that's what Sauron has done. And Gandalf is banking everything on him doing that again. So, so mm-hmm. Gandalf sees a pattern. Um, and he's, he starts to say like, Sauron's kind of afraid, right? He's seeing some signs. Yeah. He's seeing a sword that robbed him of his treasure remade. He's seeing the winds of fortune turning in our favor and defeat the loss of his great captain. And it says his doubt will be growing, even as we speak here. His eye is now straining towards us, blind almost to all else that is moving. So we must keep it, 
Therein lies all our hope. This then is my counsel. We have not the ring. In wisdom or great folly, it has been sent away to be destroyed, lest it destroy us. Without it, we cannot by force defeat his force, but we must at all costs keep his eye from his true peril. We cannot achieve victory by arms, but by arms we can give the ring bearer his only chance, frail though it be. So they're going to give their lives, right? Yeah. That's that's the idea. Is they're going to they're going to Gandalf's counsel is to confront an overwhelming force in their own fortress and to right. and to try to buy time for Frodo to do his thing. Um, and I, I don't know. Yeah. I recall like greater love has no end than the one who would lay down his life for his friends. And mm-hmm. that's what Gandalf wants to do. And thus is the greatness of these men is that their idea is for their progeny. <laughs> I, Cause I think that's the other right. great ill that we have is that our great love is for ourselves, <laughs> not mm-hmm. for our progeny. Yes. We don't, we don't right. think generationally because we're too selfish. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And we have a few generations of, of that idea, you know, in us. Um, yeah. So I think, I think from here there's kind of the last turn is, is the, the kingship, the kingliness of Aragorn mm-hmm. once, once again, you know, to, to rally, uh, mint his banner, you know, so, um, so yeah, so after you know after gandalf says it's silent for a while um and aragorn speaks as i have begun so i will go on we come now to the very brink where hope and despair are akin and to waver is to fall let none now reject the counsels of gandalf whose long labors against sauron come at last to their test but for him all would long ago have been lost and then there's here's a very um Elrondish line. Nonetheless, I do not yet claim to command any man. Let others choose as they will. And so then, then they all start. You know, they fall to his banner. Elro here um, says they come. They've come for this purpose, right? They came with Aragorn for this purpose. They're not leaving now, right? Uh, and Amor, I think, is funny. He's like these matters are too deep for me, <laughs> but I know Aragorn. <laughs> <laughs> and that's enough, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you need guys like and, that. Yeah, and and Emmerhill's an interesting one because he really doesn't even know Aragorn, mm. you know. And he says, "The Lord I hold to be my liege lord, whether he claim it or no. His wish is to me a command, right? And that's what we saw, right? That's the noble blood that knows that I know that he's the king of old. Mm-hmm. I've seen him. I can assess in short order." You see Legolas and Gimli at his side. You see the sons of Elrond at his side. Right. You see Gandalf. You see Gandalf on him. Yeah. Right. This is my king, you know, and I'm gonna do in short order. Right. This is like, you know, he's kind of that. He's kind of that. Um, I don't know, like a James or John as opposed to a Thomas <laughs> in the in the disciples. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like I don't need I don't need to see much. Mm-hmm. I know, I know who he is. Yeah, it's a, it's interesting because the whole thing, like, the, the, it ends in a flurry of appearances are deceiving. Like, like the very thing is, they're giving the appearance of a rash king who has the ring and is going to go out and mm-hmm. assert his dominance, basically like make war and take over Mordor, and that's not what's happening. But also, mm-hmm. also there's the appearance of, <laughs> I don't, it, it's, it's so interesting because the whole thing is basically based on this small force of 7,000 on foot assaulting Mordor. And mm-hmm. that's going to bring it out because of the appearance of the important people that are there, mm-hmm. right? And right. and everybody's on board for it. And Aragorn almost says, like, it, it could be a jest, but it's not a jest because Sauron, in his lust and in his, in his bloodthirstiness, is going to try to react as harshly as swiftly as he can to just absolutely destroy this this upstart just like Gandalf mm-hmm. said he would so it's it's funny to me I don't want to tread on it too much but in the next chapter what we're going to see is that that Sauron sends his new right-hand man straight out the gate mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. you know after they killed his last one 
you know, he sends his mm-hmm. new one out because he's he's not holding anything back. He wants to absolutely swat this down. Whereas the good guys, even now, they hold some back at minus Tirith, and they're they're manning their cities because they want to have order. It's not it's not just everybody rush to to throw mm-hmm. your life away here. If they if they fail, then they know that the the tide's going to come over all those cities anyway. But there's just always mm-hmm. there's there's always wisdom and prudence. And how Gandalf works, and and we see that, you know, Aragorn has fully embraced the idea that he is the disciple of Gandalf and Elrond, who, who are wisdom. Elrond, the wisest creature on Middle Earth, I think, and and Gandalf, you know, the, basically the the mover and shaker of all the deeds, and mm-hmm. and this is, this is his ascent to power is with these kind of counselors. It's it's kind of an amazing mm-hmm. thing to see. Um. Mm-hmm. I get get whatever you got because I I think he he ends the chapter on a fastball and I was gonna read it so yeah now I think the only thing I got left is just a it's just a good line and I think do it's again it's like it's indicative of the type of king that Aragorn is because so they've discussed leaving men behind and Emmerhill says the gate is destroyed and where now is the skill to rebuild it um, you know Aragorn says in Erebor in the kingdom of Dane there is such skill. Uh, if all our hopes do not perish, I will send Gimli Glowen's son to ask for the rights of the mountain. But men are better than gates, and no gate will endure against our enemy if men desert it. Yeah, and we saw that with Denethor. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's yeah. what happened. Well, he ends the chapter right. after after Aragorn saying that it, it might be a jest. Aragorn says, if this be a jest, then it is too bitter for laughter. Nay, it is the last move in a great jeopardy. And for one side or the other, it will bring the end of the game. Then he drew Andril and held it up glittering in the sun. You shall not be sheathed again until the last battle is fought, he said. <laughs> Man. Yeah. That's Tolkien giving the people what they want. <laughs> yeah. It's the, king. the king's going to ride from Minas Tirith to the Black Gate with his sword in hand. <laughs> <laughs> and the sword's probably worth two thousand male clad knights yeah. because uh-huh. the, the sword the sword is really a frightening heirloom to Sauron. Mm-hmm. And so there's mm-hmm. even strategy in that and I think it's I think it's playing the game all the way to the hill. Right. It's pushing all the chips yeah. in. It is because, you know, Gandalf Gandalf spoke earlier of the like that he's watching that the Nazgul are still flying over, right? So Aragorn riding with arms in hand is a bold and aggressive (laughs) posture. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I think, I think, I think it's twofold. I think it is like, I think probably for the confidence of the men that the king goes in first, that he's equipped himself for war. But also, I think it is sending the message, you know, back, knowing that he's going to be spied out on the way. Mm That with him holding the sword in hand, he's he's coming to claim the land. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I love it. Yeah. yeah well, it's odd. Too. So time time for thoughts to roam with, and you're up first. I am up first. Um. Man, I think. <laughs> I didn't have one ready. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I want to go back, uh, you know, early on we were talking about, um, it's the, I think the line that stuck out to me the most was Gandalf's line about, um, you know, ridding the field of evil uh, so that those who live after may have clean earth to till. And, you know, and so I think there's an element of that of like, we do... We do have to confront what it's what's at our door now, uh, and we have to give we have to prepare the field, you know, for the sustenance of a future generation. Even though we don't know what weather, right? Like we could we could till there could be no weeds in the field, and there could be seven years of of drought. But but we are, but it I think in thinking about like the a command to obey and then doing the opposite of that. Like if we're commanded to 
build generations of joyful warriors. To not do that is a sin. And so I think for us, it's, it is to not, like our safety is not the priority. That's not the command. The command is not to go be safe. The command is to, um, to prepare the fields for the next generation. So what that means for us is the next generation is our progeny. And so we have to prepare them for joyful work, not for safety. Mm. So, so what, what our job is, our job is not to teach them safety, but is to joyfully go to church, to joyfully dine with their family and friends, to joyfully um, tell of, you know, tell of the king and, and his coming. And, you know, there will be, there will be people who mock or ridicule for that joy or, or potentially worse, we don't know. But they need to be ready to stand in that field, hmm. you know, not not to their own safety. And they have to see that in us. Yeah, where they learn if they're not taught. I, I'm going to stay on the similar mm-hmm. vein, and I'm going to do the repetition as the key learning thing. Um, my thought mm-hmm. to Rome with is about as institutions, and and I, I count the family as one, but I more count the the government and the church as one in this in this one is that it's something Nate Wilson said that really struck me and and Bart and I, you know, that the other pastor with me have had it as an internal mantra for months now. And that is that our goal is not to survive. Our goal is to win. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's what Gandalf is talking about here. The goal is obviously not to survive because there's a very high chance that they all die, but the goal is to win. Mm-hmm. There, there is a plan mm-hmm. in place and that plan is to destroy the ring. And so, all the cards are thrown on the table. And so the last line really resonates with me and the thought to run with is that as institutions, we should be riding out with the sword out that Mm. I think what has happened, like I lamented it. So I'll just focus it because it is a short thought to run with. I'll focus it on the church. I think, I think our biggest problem as the church within people who hold orthodoxy, right? Our biggest problem has Mm. been that we want to survive that, that basically the idea is to keep the people coming and keep the money going. And we'll put good motivations on that, like so we can keep giving missions money and stuff like that so that we can keep, you know, making disciples in the walls and that sort of thing. The problem is that's not what we're called to do. Like, that's not what the apostles did. That's not, that's not where we're supposed to be. What we're supposed to be doing is riding out with the sword. We're given the sword of truth. We're, we're making an assault on the gates of hell. That, that the idea is that the church has to be militant and on a mission. And, and because of that, the church is going, every church, every local body is going to be threatened with death all of the time because we have to be riding out with a sword. We have to find where the idols are and we have to attack them. And that means within our own body and also out in our city. And I think we have to piece together how that works, but it doesn't happen and the church is largely irrelevant in our culture because we don't make war. We essentially stay in our own bubbles and we, we role play about making war with people who agree with us. Um, and I think you start to see it with this budding Christian nationalism stuff is that it really makes people in the culture that are enemies of Christ, it really makes them nervous, really nervous when Christians start talking about <laughs> like the government favoring Christians you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that all the left has tried to swat that down because that is the church actually trying to do something. Um, and I think we would expect that. If they if they hated the Lord of glory, they're going to hate us as his people. And what Christ did is he brought He brought his kingdom, right? And his, his kingdom was at hand. And then when he died, resurrected, and ascended, his kingdom was established. And so I'd say this, we, our goal is not to survive. Our goal is to win. And so I think we have to order our lives accordingly. And we have to take risks because we know that death is not the final blow for us. And I think there's some faith in that to Aragorn in the story. But um, Gandalf said it, and I'll, I'll end my lengthier thought to Rome with, with this, is Gandalf says that the ingredient that's required to make this plan work is courage. And that's what all of the great men in the last debate have is they have courage. They love their King, Mm -hmm. but they also have the courage to ride out and secure victory and a possible new age, even if no one ever hears about it. 
and and that's what they're going to do. So that's my thought to roam with. Hopefully it's one that might convict us a little, might scare us a little bit. I know it does for me as, as, as I say that stuff, it's something we got to do. Um, so taking risk. Um, I think that that draws this one to a close, and we are rounding out to the last chapter of book five, I believe, which is uh, mm-hmm. The Black Gate Opens. So join us again next week as we see what comes out of that black gate. And until then, <laughs> read the chapter and be ready for us so you can see all the hidden, deeper meanings. 